What if you considered yourself more of a lifestyle consultant than someone that only helps people buy or sell homes? How would that change your business? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion version with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Welcome to Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show today. On the show is our monthly series called the Monday Market Minute with Carrie McCormick, from the Kerry McCormick Real Estate Group with At Properties here in Chicago. Now, Kerry is a top 1% producer here in Chicago with over 20 years of experience helping buyers, sellers, and investors. In fact, past 12 months out of, and we're up now up to 40, almost 47,000 realtors in our in our area. Uh, Carrie is routinely in the top 15 of highest producers. And when I say not 15%, literally the top 15 out of 47,000 producers. So she is a true superstar and an expert in everything from first-time home buyers, veteran investors, and luxury properties. She also works with a lot of developers and is often chosen to represent these high-end developments. Please visit Carrie at her website, which is kerrymccormickre.com. Um, also, please, please, please follow her on Instagram. I she is, she routinely gets awards for having one of the very best realtor uh, IG accounts. So please, let's all check out, and you can get inspiration from some of the posts that she makes. Um, her uh, Instagram is at, is at Carrie McCormick. That's M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K, real estate. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. You don't have to type it in. Um, but Carrie, welcome once again to the show. Thank you so much. And I'm actually um, impressed that you remember how to spell my name. There's a lot of C's in there. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot. So thank you. I am. Um, just recently did an episode, and I don't think it's released yet. Um, but by the time this one releases, it'll it'll be released. And I literally got to the end of the interview, which was over an hour, and I realized I had called the person the wrong first name. And I said, "Did I do that throughout the interview?" And he's like, "Yeah, a bunch of times." Oh so, my god! So okay. I uh, I try to now be a little bit more uh, aware of of people's names, but it has happened. Um, so I am just glad to to remember your not that I would ever forget your name, but uh, it is funny sometimes it happens. Um, so Carrie and I were actually before we have a, a different topic that we want to go over today, which I think is going to be a great one around negotiation. But before that, I was 
we were actually, I was actually asking Carrie about her business and um, she was telling me a, a scenario about a client that was interested possibly in moving and selling their existing home, but they were locked in at a very, very low rate um, with, you know, a lot of us refinanced in the last several years, or we bought properties at, you know, 3% rates or, you know, 4% or whatever it was at the time. And obviously that makes it sometimes more challenging when somebody today then wants to sell and is now going to maybe get a five and a half percent rate or a six percent rate or mm -hmm. you know whatever it might be today so um so carrie yeah let's talk about that because i think this is happening to a lot of agents where they're just their clients are like i don't want to give up my rate yeah and it's it's a real scenario and um i met with a client that asked me to come to their home Obviously, they wanted to sell their home or they're thinking about selling their home. And we just um, got into the nitty gritty of what they were looking to do. And he kind of barked back at me and he said, well, you know, I've got a, a 1.875% rate interest rate, 30 year fixed on this house, which was mind blowing, which I've never seen that before. Um, but he said, he looked at me, he said, well, why should I sell my house? It it does not make financial sense for me to sell my house. And he went through, he was a financial guy and he went through like all of his scenarios and the cost to carry and appreciation and all of this stuff. And I'm just looking at him and, you know, as when he got done talking about his scenario, I just looked back at him and I said, you asked me to come to your house. <laughs> You know, you, you, you invited me here to talk about selling your home. So put the interest rate aside, right? That's something I can't change or, I mean, it's, it's real, is why do you want to move? Why are you thinking of moving? And then we started in this conversation about, you know, what their next steps are in life and why they're moving. Kids are out of the house. Um, obviously, the house is too big for them. They want to travel more. They want a lifestyle where they can just lock the door and walk away and someone's handling their packages. They don't have to wear, worry about the roof or you know water leaks, et cetera. So then we started in that conversation, which is the real reason that they want to move, right? And I said to them, and this is where as you know, realtors, we become consultants to our clients, you know, and it's kind of like a lifestyle consultant you know, of, okay, well, you have a choice. You could either keep the big house with your 1.875% interest rate. You can rent it out, right? And then that comes with a whole slew of issues and problems, et cetera. Or you can stay in this house and travel and, you know, have a house manager and worry about your leaks and your roof, et cetera. Or you give up that interest rate and you start living the life that you want. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, 6% interest rates aren't going to be around forever. Will he ever get that 1%? Whatever he had, absolutely not. But that's a trade-off, right? And that became a discussion, which um, was kind of like a therapy session for them. And they have not decided yet what they're going to do. That was just the other day. But that's what made me think of that is, you know, it's it's having these, you know, conversations with our clients of of their lifestyle and what they want in their life. And I think that's become more important to buyers and sellers these days, it's not just a house. I mean, it really is a home, that old saying, and it's how you're going to live your life in them and what's important to you. Yeah. yeah, And, and there is sort of a, a, I don't want to say it a reckoning, but, but a decision that ultimately they have to make where they have to just be willing to either give up the rate or not. Mm -hmm. And, right. and, and that can seem like a 
big decision and it can seem like, well, that just doesn't make sense. We'll just stay. Mm -hmm. And then you have to sort of suss out the other reasons like you were doing about why they may still want to consider doing that. Because it's not necessarily a bad financial decision. It just doesn't feel good to go right. from one rate to another. Right. But also too, it's, it's, it's like people don't, especially for the agent, sorry, especially for the buyers that in the last few years wanted that, that had these, these rates that they were um, pre-approved for and didn't get the homes that they wanted. Uh, they, they, I could even see that being an issue too, where somebody's like, well, now I can't afford as much as I could two years ago when the rates right. were at 3%. And, but then the other thing is like, well, they don't maybe think that, or they just wouldn't know that people who did get homes at that time, oftentimes overpaid. And so maybe kind of washes itself out a little bit if the interest if they buy something today and the interest rates higher and then in two years maybe they refinance um do you do you end up having a lot of those conversations too with people all that are like time. well yeah all the time yeah it's um and that's why it's important for us as brokers to do our homework too and just coming up with solutions and having these conversations with our clients and that's um goes into also one of my i'll go through my negotiation tips but you know there's a lot of egos too Right. And, you know, with clients either who didn't win the house, want to win the house, didn't get the interest rate, whatever, you know, everyone wants to feel like they won and it, you know, boils down to their ego. So it's understanding your, what moves your clients, what drives your clients, what's important to them and having those conversations around there. So I may take a therapy class of how to, or <laughs> psychology class of how to, you know, talk with people a little bit more about this, but it's, um, it's educational it's and it's fun. Well, yeah, let's talk about negotiations. So you obviously negotiate uh, more than just about any realtor I know because of your production and you do it all yourself, which is even more yeah. impressive. So I would love to know what, how you think about negotiations, how you sort of play nicely with other realtors, but mm -hmm. still fighting for your clients and yeah. also how you manage your clients' expectations. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting. It's become a hot topic. Um, you know, it's it's time too, right? When you get to the point where your negotiations, it's all about time with your clients and everyone's, you know, got valuable time. And um, this goes back to the ego too. Negotiations can be emotional for everybody involved. So first and foremost, I always like to say as real estate brokers, we are a fiduciary to our clients. And, you know, some people don't even know what that really means. And what that does mean is we're obligated by law to act in our client's best interest rather than operating out of our own self-interest. You know, and I think too with negotiations, when um, you've got two brokers involved, sometimes it does, uh, you know, get, ego gets in the way too. Everyone wants to win, but we've got to put that aside. Can you hear that cat in the background? I do. I hear. I hear a very noisy cat. It's totally yeah. okay. Keep keep going. <laughs> it's actually kind um, of sweet, nice. Hopefully, that cat's not going to come over here, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but obviously, negotiations. I forgot where I left off, but negotiations are very important to closing every deal. Um, and some agents go in with guns blazing, they're ready to fight, you know, they start throwing out recent comps and, you know, this house closed 10 years ago at this and, <laughs> you know, they start very negative, I think, and they start talking negatively about the, the client's property. Um, but I think once we get to the point of negotiations, we have a buyer, we have a seller, let's look at this instead of a fight 
let's look at this negotiation as an opportunity to reach an agreement. And that's all it is. It's, you know, we don't need a sling back and forth. So um, I put together three, what I think steps, good steps are to start a negotiation. And I've learned this throughout the years. And the first one is, um, this is kind of common, but do, do your research, obviously. Do your research on the property, do your research on the market, and, and also do research on your client's personality. Because I think it's important to understand the psychology of where your clients are coming from in negotiations. And that also goes to the seller side. So you can actually very quickly go onto Google, find out, you know, hopefully you know what your client does for a living, but kind of dig deeper into what they do, dig deep into what the, what your opposing side does as well. That's going to give you some traits on their personality um, and how they're going to react to the negotiations, you know, whether someone's analytical or someone is, wants to fight, you know, you could, you can kind of tell by some of their online profiles. I see. So, so you would be looking at maybe their social media, um, also maybe any like videos they may have put on YouTube or, or th things like that, or articles they may have written or just yeah. anything about them online. Is that? Absolutely. Cause if they're in the profession, either they've attended conferences or they've written speeches or they've spoken or they give their opinion on certain things, you really can, you know, get an idea whether someone wants to be a fighter in situations, whether they want to be the winner in it, or if, you know, again, they're more data driven and they need to have that data in front of them. It's just a really good small step to take to understand their personality, right? Um, I also think, you know, it's important to know the other side's client as well. So again, you're not just doing this just on your side, you're understanding the other side. Um, for example, I've got agents that'll call and say like, okay, here's the offer. This is our best and final. We want it. We want an answer by 6 PM tonight. You know, like right. my client doesn't like that. You know, my client wants to, to go back and forth a little bit. So when you are in the showings, I think that's a great time to get a read with the other agent. And sometimes I'll ask, you know, agent Joe, you know, tell me a little bit about your seller, what's important to them. You know, when do they need to move? So I'm kind of trying to qualify what's important to the seller. So when it comes to negotiations, I have a little bit of information and know how to propose this. Um, you know, there's some, again, some people like to ping pong back and forth. Some people like to cut to the chase. So it's important to understand that so we have a successful outcome. And again, a lot of it is just asking questions, listening, which sometimes we don't as agents listen, but listen to what people are telling you so you know how to strategize it correctly. Um, I just had a scenario, actually, while we're on this podcast, I may get the answer to this, but for example, this is a real life scenario. We've been negotiating back and forth on a deal for three weeks and we've had interior designers in this space. We've had contractors in this space. I'm on the seller side. We've had, the buyer has brought in all of these and we've accommodated all of this. We are $25,000 apart on this deal. In the big picture, it's not that much. And not that I want to give away anyone's money or I don't want someone to overspend, but in the big picture, it's not that much. We got to a point where the buyer said, 
here's my best and final offer. You have, this is literally, you have six hours to make a decision. If you don't respond in six hours, our offer's off the table. Okay. I couldn't get a hold of my seller. Six hours came and went. It was the seventh hour. The buyer said, we're done. Wow. So I thought, you know, again, that's kind of where the ego comes into play. You know, we've been negotiating this for three weeks. You know, both sides are mad at each other now. They don't even know each other, but they're mad at each other. So the broker and I are trying to bring this back together. We kind of let everyone's <laughs> egos, you know, cool down for a little bit. So actually, you know, I communicated with the other broker this morning. She's going to talk to her client. I talked to my client. I said, you know, this is kind of crazy to you know, it's a multi-million dollar deal to, to end this over a six hour period. You know, we couldn't respond to you. Anyways, she said she's going to talk to her client and get back to me. So we'll see what happens. Stay tuned. We'll see if this deal comes together. We'll hang on. <laughs> we'll, we'll hang on to see if, see if you get an answer here in the next few minutes. But again, that's part of our job is understanding each side of it and understanding the clients. So that's, I know that was a long winded, um, tip of the day, but I've got one more is, um, what was my last tip? Now I went into that story. Oh, it's just uh, understanding like that each and every, um, the personality types, yeah, the personality types in there. So we've also had clients where, you know, the, the mom will come in or the dad will come in and is part of the decision maker. Um, we'll have, um, the kids that are involved in making a decision. So not only understanding the, the one that's signing the contract, but there's also other people in their lives that are helping them make the decision. And if you don't involve them or you don't understand that aspect of the deal, sometimes your deal could go sideways. And, you know, again, we've got parents involved with the kids buying. We've got, you know, grandparents that are lending money to people. You know, there's all different um, parts of the deal that we need to understand. And all of that is discovered through getting to know your client and asking the right questions. That'll set you up for success when it comes to the negotiation. Uh, I love all of that. Um, makes makes perfect sense. And, and it's just, uh, you know, you said something really interesting that I wouldn't have thought of, which was the idea of going and sort of doing some research on your own client, seeing if you can determine personality traits mm -hmm. based on not necessarily you asking them, because sometimes when you ask people questions, they'll give you what they think is the answer that either you want to hear or that they feel comfortable saying, right. but maybe isn't actually the truth. It's kind of like um, we have 700 realtors at our company, at your company of like three or 4,000. And if an email went out to every agent saying, hey, just curious, would, would you like more training, less training or no training? Everyone's going to say, I want more training. And then when it actually comes to putting a training program together, maybe 20 agents out of 3,000 show up, or in our case, 10 agents out of 700. Right. And so we're like, well, everyone says they want more training. And then when we actually institute it. So, so I think what you said is actually quite smart because if somebody says like, oh, during negotiations, I absolutely love the back and forth, but, and you know that, or maybe they don't say that, but you can kind of get a sense through their mm -hmm. social media that they're, they're fighters or they're aggressive or you know, they're maybe used to being in charge. That's maybe another part of it is like, right. you probably deal a lot with, well, I know you deal with a lot with C-suite level, uh, you know, enterprise level people who mm -hmm. are, you know, used to getting their own way, used to, um, 
maybe snapping their fingers and having people underneath them do certain things. And so you probably treat those people differently or have different, you, you, you probably approach them differently than you would people who don't have, you know, a whole team that they're always managing and controlling. Right. right. No, yeah. it is. And I've got a client who runs a, a company and, you know, he's exhausted of making decisions all day and he knows his business and he looks at me and says, what would you suggest? And I give him my opinion. He's like, let's do it. Isn't you know, that the so, best kind of client? I, I it, that, <laughs> it was smoothest deal ever, but you know, I mean, but that was, you know, like he, he trusted me enough to make the decisions. And of course, um, you know, that it, it was great, but again, you know, that doesn't work for, for another client, right? So sure. you do have to understand what moves motivates your clients and, you know, the internet's such a, a good tool out there for everybody. Yeah, it's a great place to get a better sense of what your clients are actually like when they're not in front of you. Um, I think that's a that's a great great point. Um, you know, it's funny. I was I was watching a video. It wasn't a video you made. It was another top producer here in Chicago, and I was sort of surprised this he he even made this video because he had a tip for agents who are dealing with multiple offers. And to me, this is the most obvious thing but he clearly felt the need to do it because he probably sees that most agents don't do this. In fact, he gave examples. So here, I'll, I wanted to throw this your way and, and get your reaction. So he was saying, if you're in a multiple offer situation, if you're on the buyer side and right. you know, you're dealing with multiple offers, um, he's like, the moment you send over, or as soon as you send over the offer, mm -hmm. he's like, you know, you gotta follow up with a phone call. It doesn't have to be that second, but you have to follow up with a phone call, text, like especially if it's multiple offer. And I was like, well, I just, I was watching this video. I'm like, doesn't everybody do that? And then he goes, he goes, the reason I'm making this video is I have three properties right now. They're in a multiple offer situations. We're getting like 10 offers per, per place or whatever the number was. It was more than one. Right. And he said, not one agent, not one has called me to be like, Hey, did you get the offer? How did it look? Do you want, he goes, they all just emailed it over. Mm -hmm. And he's like, He's like, I'm just making this video for the good of, of realtors out there. So um, does that shock you to hear that? I mean, you must yeah. deal with that all the time too. Yeah. I think even to take that a step further, sometimes, you know, people use dot loop or they use DocuSign. Sure. They will literally just forward the sign DocuSign over where, so the email looks like it's coming from DocuSign. So, right. so you don't even I, necessarily know that it's an offer. Yeah. I don't even know it's an offer. I don't know who the agent is unless I go through it. And um, that is bewildering to me that, that that people just literally forward something and you're right. It's, um, but again, you know, everyone is, does their business differently. And um, I just don't, I think they're doing a disservice to their client by just forwarding an email, but nothing shocks me anymore. Everyone does something different, but kudos to whoever that was that made the video. I think that was hopefully a good, people paid attention and, and listened and learned from that. So for everyone uh, out there, please call the other agent after you submit an offer. And even just to politely say, hey, just want to make sure you got it. If, if you have any questions, read through it. You know, you want to play play nice and really say, I just want to, you know, like what, what do you do when you send an offer? Well, 100% call the agent and give them a look. I mean, that's of like 100% <laughs> call the agent. And, you know, like I'm advocating for my buyers, right? So I, I tell them a little bit about them. I think what's important for sellers to know too, and this is kind of my tip is like on a, if I'm representing a buyer, I'm the buyer's team, right? So the, uh, we've got the buyer, we have the buyer's broker, 
we have the buyer's attorney, we have the buyer's inspector, right? So we're a team and that's important for the seller to know who's on the other side advising this buyer. Not only are they picking the buyer and the buyer's terms, the seller wants to make sure that buyer's gonna get across the finish line. And how is that buyer gonna do that? By having a good team. The yeah. attorney is important. The inspector is important. The mortgage lender is hugely important and the broker is important. So there's four people on our side of the buyer's table that a seller should be concerned about. So that's what I like to highlight is Mr. and Mrs. Seller or sellers in general, look to see who the buying team is. They're the ones that are going to get that buyer across the finish line. So I think that's important to highlight as well. Yeah, that's a great, great suggestion. Um, I, so I, for my marketing tip of the week, just to pivot over, I wanted to get your idea about this. This isn't a new idea and I sort of, I'm reluctant to even say it because I, <laughs> I feel like I say it every single time I do an episode. So I apologize to our listeners if you've heard this before, but I also think I've been here, you know, I've been hearing to work out all of my life and I didn't actually take action until a few years ago and I finally started working out. So even though you may have heard this before, I think it's still a good thing to hear again, but I want to get your take on it. And if you, okay. you might disagree that this isn't a, a good idea. So I was thinking for anyone out there whose business is down and let's face it, this is probably going to be a down year for most agents. At least uh, most brokerages seem to be projecting that. Economists are projecting that for realtors. So we know this is going to be a tricky year to uh, to to have high, high production numbers. But um, if I was practicing and I didn't have any clients right now, I was thinking of an idea of what would I do? Um, and of course, um, this is where you come in because I want to get your thoughts. But if it was me, I am always thinking as a homeowner, um, I always want to know what my home is worth. I mean, I don't, I'm not looking to sell and I'm not looking to move, mm -hmm. but it's it's kind of like getting that credit score report every month mm -hmm. where it just gives you your number. Like I don't do anything with my credit really, but I'm just kind of glad that I can see it every month. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, thankfully it's, uh, I have a good credit score, but it's kind of just a little bit of a sort of checks and balances of my life going, oh, okay, my credit, okay, yeah. my credit's okay. Nobody opened up 10 credit cards in my name last month and spent <laughs> a bunch of money. Um, so I always think knowing some, knowing your home value is kind of in that same category mm -hmm. of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I probably won't do anything with the information, but it's good to know. Um, so if it was me, I would call every single person I know who owns a home, whether I was their realtor or not when they bought it. And I would say, um, Hey, I, you know, look, I, if, if you know, they already have a realtor, like, Hey, I know you already have an agent, but I was just practicing running some CMAs or, or, or rather I run CMAs for everybody. I know you don't have to say you were practicing. And I wanted to send you what I think your home is actually worth because what I found is that a lot of times, you know, uh, uh, people who homeowners will go maybe just to Zillow, look at this estimate. We know that this is where uh, the public goes. So they don't go really anywhere else. They go to Zillow. So we know that's where they go. We know they look at this estimate as, as realtors, all of us, you know, have certain feelings about Zestimate, like it or, or hate it. Regardless, it's not totally always going to be perfectly accurate, even though Zillow says it's within about three percentage points of, of accuracy, um, which may or may not be true. I don't know. But if people are only using that metric and then you can come along and say, hey, by the way, I actually disagree a little bit with Zillow. I think your home is worth X, lower, higher, whatever. That is 
providing value. Um, so if it was me, I would be just constantly sending out CMAs to my people I know. What What do you think about that? You feel free to disagree. I'm just curious what. I like it. I've, uh, you know, I think it's a great tip and I think it depends on how many clients you have. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I've done just to kind of ease it was not a CMA. It was just a general market report in their neighborhood. Yeah. And maybe that's kind of what you're talking about because I feel like, and this is again, just my opinion that if I tell them where I think their value of their home is, and I don't know, maybe they've done updates to it and they get offended, you know, by what Oh, good point. Good point. Or, you know, it's completely off. And then I look like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So or they disagree with it for whatever reason, and then you yeah. have to defend it. Um, so what I did actually is I sent out just like if it's Lincoln Park, I'll send out a Lincoln Park report of, you know, in the last quarter, how single family homes have been doing. Um, and, you know, if you want to know where yours falls in, because, you know, there's always the charts and what's sure. selling, what's not selling. You know, if you want more to drill down on your home and get an accurate, you know, CMA on your home, love to come over and, and chat with you. So I kind of leave it open to that. That's a better way to do it. I actually like that better. So so just to recap that idea. So instead of Carrie sending out a sort of a blind CMA and maybe having the person go, well, this doesn't make sense. Um, I, I made all these upgrades or she's got it wrong. She doesn't, you know, you're right. It, it, it Unless the number is significantly higher than what they expect, they're probably mm -hmm. going to have questions or maybe feel like, yeah. well, Carrie didn't really, maybe she didn't miss something or something. So I love that idea. So instead of saying that, you could say, hey, in the surrounding areas, I've noticed the homes in your area are actually up, you know, 20% or whatever the number is. If you want to sort of do a deeper dive into your property, I can figure that out for you. Yeah. Um, and I like right. That's a much safer way to do it. I love that. And again, everyone's got their way of doing it. It's just, it's, it's easier and it's um, allows, again, my goal is to provide value or our goal is to provide value. But more importantly, I want to talk to them. I want them to pick yeah. up the phone or they want them to invite me to come over. So, so, okay. So let's, I just want to drill a little bit deeper into this. So, <laughs> so let's say I, I, I change my approach. I'm not going to just automatically run the CMA. I'm going to do a market report for their neighborhood, their suburb, mm -hmm. wherever. And I'm going to say, hey, I noticed that homes are up or what, whatever the, the data is. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to do a deeper dive with you. How do you, so then are you going to email that to somebody? Are you going to call them? What, what, what works best for you when you have that kind of information you want to give to them? So I feel like with email, people just delete it. Yeah. personally, you know, I think like, this is like market report or, you know, your neighborhood update or whatever you're right. Yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> I think that gets deleted personally, but I would do it two ways. I, I always print it. I shouldn't say always, I print it and I put it in an envelope and I mail it to them Love and that. I hand address it just because if it's a label, they're going to, yeah. they might throw it away. So I think there's a better chance that they're going to open up the mail and then I will, the next following week, I will follow up with an email with a subject line. Did you get the envelope with the market report? And that way, you know, it's, it's a follow-up, you know, and then I do have a hyperlink to that report. So if they did accidentally throw that envelope away, they can get it online. Oh, so. Smart. And do you get a pretty good response to those? I do. I do. Or I've just gotten like an, a client of mine, Sam, he sent me an email. He said, thanks for the updated market report. Yeah. 
And that's fine. I mean, that's, it's an acknowledgement of it and it's, it's a touch point and granted he just bought his place a year ago, but you know, he sure. it was a touch point. So yeah, I think I get good response from that. I love that. Well, I think that's a great idea. So for anyone out there who is in between clients or maybe wanting to provide some value in between deals, um, this is an opportunity get, do some neighborhood reports, some market reports, send it to everybody, you know, and then offer them to, to do a, you know, a, a, more specific example with their own property if they're interested. I love that. That's really smart. Um, well, let, I think that's a great place to wrap up for today. Um, for everyone who is listening, I want you to think a couple of things. Number one, if, you, if you're not here in the local Chicago market, and 99% of our audience, I think, isn't. So for everyone out there who is working in a different uh, area here um, in, in US, Canada, wherever you might be listening from, um, if you have clients that are moving to Chicago, Carrie would love the opportunity to chat with them. She works, I mean, she's a top producer. She works with a lot of relocation people. Uh, and anyway, anyone who's moving here, she would love the opportunity to connect with you if you have clients in moving into the area. Um, so please consider her for that. And then also, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, please follow her on Instagram. In particular, she does all her own Instagram herself. It's amazing. And it's a great example of how you can, and what's really cool about Instagram too, is you can actually for the most part, look at people's engagement and you can actually look at other people's engagement to get a better sense of where you might want your engagement to, to land as far as likes, comments, et cetera, view, video views. Um, so please follow her on Instagram, which is at Carrie McCormick real estate. Um, Carrie. Uh, oh, and, and one last thing, please, everyone, the best way you can help us as a podcast is by telling a friend, think of one other realtor, realtor that could benefit from hearing this episode with Carrie today, which was awesome. And send them a link to our website. Um, if they're not like a normal podcast listener and they don't normally, you know, subscribe to shows, you can send them over to keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we, we've uh, ever produced can be streamed right from the browser. Or if they are podcast listeners, they can just do a search for keeping it real and hit that subscribe button. So please tell a friend that just helps us continue to reach more people and we can do more episodes and everybody wins. So Carrie, on behalf of the audience that we thank you, you've been with us for years and years. You are an amazing, um, guest on our show and a contributor and uh we i don't feel like we could do the same show without you so i'm so glad you're you're still with us and on behalf of carrie and myself we also want to thank all of our listeners and our viewers for continuing to support our show so again tell a friend follow carrie on instagram at carrie mccormick art our real estate which by the way is linked to the instagram and her website carrie mccormick re.com is in our show notes so please visit both of those and uh yeah let's keep the train rolling um carrie great to see you and thank you. we thanks again we'll see you next time awesome thank you guys uh -oh.